0: Well, uh, it took a lot of, uh, not a lot, but it took some public shaming to get the parole board to wake up. But they seem to have reversed uh, the decision to allow victims of crimes to at least call in to parole hearings where inmates are trying to get early release because of COVID nineteen. And this is not even something that should be reversed because this is simply a basic tenet of a victim's right. Period. I mean, they're very, they very, very few in our system, but this is one of them. But what this means is that, at the very least, those who have had their lives shattered by crime will have a little bit of a part of the process. And one of those people includes Justine Ellis, whose 28-year-old husband was killed by a drunk driver, a driver who's now trying to get out of jail just two years into his five-year sentence because of COVID-19. And all Justine wants is the justice she and her children deserve and the justice her husband will never seemingly get. Justine joining us now. And I appreciate that because we had you on just a a few days ago. And for those who are not familiar with your tragedy, Stuart, uh, your husband was on his way to work in the morning when he was killed by 21-year-old Tyler Nielsen, a repeat drunk driver. He got just five years, and two years into the sentence, he wants this pandemic to get him an early release at a hearing in May that you, up until just like 24 hours ago, would not have been a part of.
1: Yeah, hi there. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, exactly. It's actually only um, come May 22nd on his day parole hearing. It will have been less than 14 months, actually, that he served behind uh, bars
0: adding insult to injury. And so I guess there must have been some kind of blowback on this. Um, Jennifer Neville Lake certainly has added her voice to this because she wanted to attend the parole hearing for Marco Muzzo. And that's how this issue became uh, public. Um, But I don't know what changed the parole board's mind. But now at the very least, you're going to get to call in. Is this enough for you?
1: Um, I mean, it's better than the alternative that they were offering prior. Um, I'm definitely glad that victims are now being allowed to uh, be part of it in real time, although I'm not sure the telephone is the um, best thing they could have done for us. It's Like I said, it's better than it was, but it's definitely not perfect. Um, I think that they should be trying a little bit harder, but again, this is what they're going to offer for now. I will take it, I suppose.
0: And what did they did they actually contact you did someone contact you and what did they say that you'll be allowed to uh, to do as part of this process
1: No, so I actually haven't been contacted at all by anybody. Um, I've also been uh, writing letters. I've written um, to Bill Blair. I've written to uh, the Minister of Justice and Attorney General uh, of Canada. I've written to um, Jennifer Oates, who's part of the Pro board of Canada. She's the chair there and even other MPs as well. Um, And I haven't heard back from anybody. I've written everybody. Um, So I know there has been pressure um, on the parole board from all different angles. I know MAD itself has written uh, on them as well as the ombudsman Um, but personally I haven't heard anything back Uh, I only found out because of their tweet that they put out um, and uh, that that had been shared that they were now allowing us to be part of things uh, via telephone.
0: Right have they not heard of Zoom have they not heard of um, Skype have they not I mean honestly we're 2020 um, and they have the time to do this Because the courts are all shut down. So if ever there were a time that they actually do have time to get this done, it would be now. Uh, Is there no thought process to having uh,
1: that, you know, a video conference at that very least? Yeah. So, I mean, that's my thinking as well. I mean, I know that the parole board itself is being video conferenced in the thing that i was told by the pro board was that they hadn't found a way for it to be secure for victims to do um however i do know that they like for bail hearings and certain things like that they video conference and people all the time Um, so I'm not sure why they can't figure out a way this time I mean to me what would make sense is if you allow victims to be present at the actual parole hearing office and keep the um, offender somewhere else and they can video in if they can keep them secure somewhere else um, and have the parole board still video conference in but at least allow us to be there and to be present and to be seen and to be able to see what's going on and who's in the room and everything else is going on as well.
0: That or put up a piece of plastic uh, plexiglass that they could put up. But you're right. I mean, we do have video appearances for bail all the time where they can keep the inmate where they are, which would actually be the much smarter thing to do because you keep them in that place and then allow the victims uh, I- into the process or however else you're going to do it. Seems to me like uh, they're trying to at least get the the eye off of them. Um, and, and, I, and I still, I hope at least, at the very least, you're allowed to read some kind of impact statement and have your say. Do you get the sense, I mean, the conversation happens, I mean, there's a lot of inmates right now who are trying to to get out of jail? The thinking is that this uh, virus, as you well know, could spread through the prison systems. Uh, but do you get the sense that Tyler Nielsen is using this just to as a as a get out of
1: jail card? Um, I mean. Uh, this is his. This is what his date that he is eligible for day parole, according to the way that our justice system, so-called justice system, works. Um, but so this is his date, and he did apply for it prior to COVID nineteen being um, a thing. However, I definitely think that it's going to uh, likely work in his favor, in the sense that uh, I don't see the parole board um, being as stick, potentially not being as much of a stickler, um, in the sense that they this likely is to affect the the way that they don't want to keep offenders in the system as they can't if that's a possibility for
0: them right and I think that's because still in this day and age we still don't look at drunk drivers as one of those kinds of violent crimes even though the destruction and devastation they leave is no different than any other kind of carnage uh, you know and this is this is a guy who before he killed your husband had already been up on offenses he wasn't even supposed to be driving so he hadn't learned his lesson the first time and who knows if he'll learn it the second time but for whatever reason in this day and age we just don't treat this crime crime. crime as a violent crime.
1: Yeah, exactly. I I don't understand it, to be honest. He was impaired by alcohol and drugs, um, driving at an enormous rate of speed, Um, and like you said, had no license to begin with. So, yes, he does have an eight-year driving ban upon his release, but who's to say he's going to follow that? (laughs) I mean, he didn't follow the rules the first time, so who's going to say he'll follow again this time? Um, I recently also saw a MAD tweet, um, a stat about the fact that impaired drivers, um, most of them have had prior offenses um previously as well so and they have driven multiple times prior even without being caught likely um impaired so i mean it's an epidemic and they're killing people um i I believe that this stat is four people a day in canada are killed by impaired drivers so uh, to me that's a pretty alarming um crime that's going on so i don't really understand why our justice system doesn't treat it with some more strength than it needs to because uh first-time offenders need to um be treated with a much larger penalty Um, if if that was the case. If we did do that, then perhaps my husband would still be alive right now yeah said it as a
0: deterrent but this is decades in the making where it's just a revolving door for whatever reason in this country we uh, talk about it but we just don't follow that talk with a lot of action is there anything at all um you could hear from tyler that would give you any sense of peace that you can somehow move on because it is it is obvious um you know that he is not going to serve uh, enough time ever to, to justify or make up for what he took away from your family, but is there anything he could say to you um, at this hearing that would give you some kind of peace?
1: Um, <laughs> that's a pretty loaded question. I'm uh, to be honest, I don't know. This is a like I said, you said a life sentence for me. Uh, there's there's no fixing this for me. My husband doesn't get to come back. My kids don't get to have their father ever again. Um, You know, he hasn't ever really been apologetic for what he's done. Um, And from, you know, I'd like to see some accountability and for him to begin to uh, accept um, the responsibility of what he's done. I'm not even sure he's proving that right now through his actions, but uh, that would be a start, I suppose. Uh, But at the end of the day, like I said, I... Nothing fixes this for me. I still will always have been widowed at 28 uh, while pregnant with a 14-month-old at the time. So um, and Stuart doesn't get to be here to see his uh, beautiful boys grow into amazing humans. So there's, there's, no, uh, there's no justice for me in this.
0: No, there's jail for one, and it's, uh, it's not going to be him. Uh, Justine, we will keep in touch and uh, continue to follow your journey to see where this takes us. And I thank you again for being so generous with your time.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.
0: That is Justine Ellis. And again, see see what happens? You know, it's a headline for everyone else. It's life, reality for, for people like Justine and Jennifer uh, Neville Lake. And it's, it's kind of gobsmacking in this day and age that they still have to continue to fight. And remember, the parole board's not doing these people a favor. This is a basic tenet of a victim's rights. They have very, very few because they're an afterthought in the justice system. But at least they're getting a phone call this time. I find it rather disgusting if you ask me. But uh, they're not asking.